Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk for Wednesday, January the 30th. I'm your host, DA, and we're officially at the halfway point of Super Bowl week. And this week, there's been a lot of attention on the New England Patriots and their constant efforts towards rewriting the history books. The Patriots have already won five Super Bowl championships with the Brady and Belichick tandem. This is their ninth Super Bowl together. Obviously, these are all types of crazy heights the Patriots have already achieved. And I don't think there's many people in the NFL that look at Bill Belichick and don't consider him one of the greatest, if not the greatest head coach ever to live. And yet those around the game might suggest that even as high as Bill Belichick is considered in the annals of history by the football public and the general public as a whole might not be high enough. Dan Reeves coached John Elway in three Super Bowls with the Denver Broncos. He also took the 1998 Dirty Birds to the Super Bowl as well with the Atlanta Falcons and was a player that won a Super Bowl in Dallas with the Cowboys. And as he joined Dan Cilio in 97-3, the fan in San Diego, and what is amazing is to hear a guy who played against the great Vince Lombardi teams of the Green Bay Packers in the 1960s say that what Bill Belichick is doing now might be more impressive than Lombardi. Let's listen in. There's only one other man that's been to more Super Bowls, and that is, of course, (laughs) Belichick, than you. I mean, it's nine that you've been to. And, Coach, I'm going to ask you. I mean, you played against Lombardi, and you coached against Lombardi with Coach Landry. What you're seeing right now with Bill Belichick and what he's done with the Patriots, do you compare it? Do you think that there's any comparison whatsoever? I know the league is completely different. More teams, free agency. Do you see any similarities between the two in Belichick and Lombardi? Other than the fact that they've had tremendous success, uh, you know, both of them, and won a lot of championships. But uh, to do it in the era that Bill Belichick has done it in is incredible. To be able to keep, uh, you know, Tom Brady, you know, there as a quarterback with so much movement now in free agency and, you know, so much money as far as free agency is concerned. Bill's done a great job of knowing exactly what kind of players he wants and, uh, you know, brings them into his system and they fit right in. And, you know, uh, you got to hand you – I do anyway. It's just amazing what Bill has accomplished, you know, in a time that is so much more difficult than it was, in my opinion, than when Coach Lombardi did it. Again, Coach, the amount of Super Bowls that he's been to is just absolutely remarkable. There's no question about it. And, you know, when you get to that game, it really defines you. And you were there on the sidelines, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. You were there when Coach Landry won his Super Bowl. It always was there where people were saying he wasn't going to win the big one, he couldn't win it. And all of a sudden, Coach Landry, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, beat the Colts for his first world championship. What was that like when – a defining moment for a coach like Coach Landry winning a Super Bowl. 
Well, we were always known as next year's champions because we'd come close but couldn't win, the, you know, the last one. And uh, for Coach Lander to win it, I think, you know, we as players were so uh, excited about winning, but much more so for Coach Landry. And I remember lifting him up on his on our shoulders and carrying him off. Uh, you know, we were excited, but we were so excited for Coach Landry. Two last questions for our friend Dan Reeves. Gone to nine Super Bowls, no doubt about it. Hey, hey, Coach, you coached arguably, in my opinion, one of the greatest and most gifted players of all time in John Elway. What do you see when you see Brady? Do you see similarities in the two? I know physically they're not in the same conversation when it comes to physical presence, but the leadership that I would think that both guys have, do you see that similarity? No, no question. You don't have the success that we have without a great quarterback. That's the position that, you know, if you look at teams that have been successful, that's the one thing that they have in common. You know, as a great quarterback. And, and John not only was a great quarterback, he was a great teammate. You know, he worked hard to accomplish what he did. He had tremendous talent and made a lot of plays on his own because of his tremendous ability to scramble around and make plays. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, we won over 100 games together and, there's no way I would have been able to accomplish that without John Elway. Vince Lombardi won five NFL championships and two Super Bowls in those five championships over the course of a decade in Green Bay. Bill Belichick is already on five championships as a head coach, looking for his sixth this weekend, but it's taken him nearly 20 years to do so in New England. It is astounding to hear Dan Reeves say that what Belichick is doing might be more impressive than Lombardi, considering Lombardi is the standard for all coaches for all time. I mean, the Super Bowl trophy is named after him. But as Reeves points out, in this day and age of free agency and player movement and big-time money and scrutiny, plus a much larger NFL in general by teams, what the hoodie is doing in Foxborough may be historic with no other comparison. Another guy who's seen the New England Patriots up close and personally, and not in a good way, he's never beaten them, is Carson Palmer, former quarterback of the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Cardinals. He joined G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, and along Radio Row this week, uttered a word that is never used to describe Belichick. Underrated? What are your memories when it comes to taking on Tom Brady and the Patriots? What can you share with us and our audience? I, I never. I, I played against him a handful of times. Unfortunately, I never had a chance to to beat him. I had a I had plenty of chances, but I never beat him. Um, but I never looked at it as playing against Brady. I always looked at it as Belichick. Um, and as great as Brady is, I feel like today, the Belichick doesn't get. He he. You know, people are. He's still underrated in, in some mm. senses. It's all thought to be Tom Brady. Tom, but Belichick, um, what he did last week in the AFC Championship or two weeks ago now. Uh, you know, slowing down the Chiefs to zero points in the first half and 42 yards in the in entire first half. Um, he always had something that, that you weren't prepared for. And, and I feel like maybe two or three seasons I opened up uh, the the opener was against the Patriots, which is a terrible position to be in because it's it's like giving Belichick two weeks to, to prepare for you for the Super Bowl, except for he has six months or four months to prepare for your team. And so uh, opening up against the Patriots, it, it consists, you know, it always seemed like I looked at the schedule and we always opened up either there or they were coming to us. And you always had something that would come up in the game plan. You go to the sidelines and go, well, what are we going to do about this? How, how do we, how do we, we haven't practiced against this. We haven't thought about this. We haven't talked about this. And, and that's what makes him so great. And I still, to this day, feel like he's underappreciated. 
as, as much hype as he gets and as much pe- as people talk about the greatness of Bill Belichick, he may be even greater than people are talking. In theory, in the NFL, there's 32 defensive coordinators. There's a bunch of head coaches that are defensive-minded. Like, there should be a ton of guys that it's like, holy cow, this guy's a genius. But everybody talks about Bill Belichick like it's different. Like, everybody wanted to take away Chad Johnson or Larry Fitzgerald. Everybody would come in with the same goal. How is he so different that the pedestal is so high? Um, I think he really, he truly understands protections inside and out. And, and not many defensive guys really understand protections. They really understand what calls the offensive linemen are making to each other, where, where the offensive linemen are moving. Is it to the weak side linebackers, the middle linebackers, the strong side linebacker? Wherever the offensive line's weak point is, he will find and he will expose. Wherever your, your go-to guy, I'm going to this guy in third down, he will not let that guy catch six conversions on, on third down throughout the game. Um, you know, Bill Belichick is the defensive coordinator. You can say it was Matt Patricia. You can say it's Flora. You, you can, Bill Belichick is the defensive coordinator, and, and he may not be calling the plays, but that is the defense he wants to run. Those, those guys that are calling the plays into the middle linebacker to then verbalize it to the, the rest of the, the defensive unit, it's all coming from Bill. So you know, there's been a lot of, you know, um, Romeo Cornell and all these guys that have come through, but that is, that is Bill's defense. And, uh, you know, you, you don't categorize it as, well, they're a single high team. They're a two-man. They play it all. They do it all. They don't ever have a bunch of pro bowlers on defense, but they have guys that really understand what Bill wants to get done in that game plan, and that's why um, you know, they continuously get here. They continuously get here because he finds the right guys that can execute what he wants to do. He doesn't need um, you know, a guy I play with, Chandler Jones, who's one of the best defensive ends in, in the game, you know, 10, 15 sacks a year. Um, he doesn't need that guy. He doesn't need a guy that, that gets 10, 15 sacks that's going to eat up 8 or 10% of his salary cap. He wants a bunch of guys he can filter in that are going to do exactly what he's calling them to do on this first and 10 or this third and three or this you know, second and nine, whatever it may be. He doesn't need the pro bowlers. He doesn't need the guys with the high contracts. He needs guys that are going to execute what he wants to be executed, and, and that's you know, why he's always here. Man, I don't know how you can consider Bill Belichick underrated. He's already one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, if not the greatest by any measure. The guy has won five, is going on six Super Bowls potentially. He's gone to nine of them here. Another two as defensive coordinator with the New York Giants. Another one that he lost when he was the coordinator for the New England Patriots back in 96 under Bill Parcells. I mean, the man has been to 11 Super Bowls as a coordinator or as a head coach. I don't know anybody who doesn't think that he's one of the greats of all time but there is a guy that has played against him saying there's all the credit in the world that's got to go to Belichick for just how good his coaching and scheme has been year after year after year in the NFL pretty high praise from Carson Palmer as much hype as he gets and as much as people talk about the greatness of Bill Belichick he may be even greater than people are talking one of the overriding stories of the Pats as well this week is this the final game for Rob Gronkowski? Many people are wondering if Gronk will retire after Sunday's game. His brother Dan Gronkowski weighed in on the Mutton Callahan show on WEEI in Boston. I don't know if you've heard of Red yet, but there's a big, big story in Sports Illustrated coming out about your brother Rob and his acting career. It's specifically about acting and how seriously he takes it and how he wants to do more of it and and all the movies he's in and TV shows, I did not know it was this extensive. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Did, obviously, you knew. Do you think he takes it seriously enough, acting, 
to walk away from football and become a full-time actor? Well, this is all uh, news to me, too. So, um, really? Yeah, I haven't I haven't heard of that story yet either. Uh, he seems to be just taking it uh, day by day. Uh, no one talks about anything, really. He's been in our household, and uh, he's just so focused on football right now in this season. So um, it's been a great ride uh, uh, this year, and it should be a good game uh, this weekend. Well, I, I, in the story, you're actually in the story, Dan, because in one of the films that uh, Rob was a part of, he cast uh, Goon, he cast you in the movie. I know you're biased. He's your brother. Is he a good actor? Can the guy act? <laughs> so we'll, we'll have to see that. I mean, his personality is off the charts. You, you guys all know that. Um, and obviously, he's a hardworking guy. Um, whatever he puts his mind to, he can really do so. Whenever he does stop playing football, he, he can really do a variety of things. Um, so it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to see that whenever that does happen. Well, obviously, we don't know when he's going to be done playing. But do you picture him playing somewhere else, or will he retire? I have I have no idea. Like I said, we don't really talk about it, and uh, and there's reasons for that. And um, so everything out of the media is just all stories that people are speculating and. He doesn't even know yet. So Brady, Brady was saying how encouraging it is to see Rob having fun at media day and laughing and goofing, which means I assume he's healthy. And Brady said that's a really good sign. I mean, yeah, that is the one thing he did really, really try to do this year is to be healthy um, when the time came. So uh, he had a couple um, issues during the season with his back. Uh, and his ankle and things like that. But he was so focused on staying healthy this year um, when the time was right, and that's for the playoffs. So he's as healthy as he's ever ever been, and uh, especially in the playoffs, he's always usually beat up and, and stuff. So I think the whole team is real healthy um, as a whole, and that's why they're doing so good. Are you surprised, Dan, when, uh, like yesterday, the, the big press conferences down here, you know how it is on weekends like this, there's questions. Your brother's having fun with the media, saying he's got a 69% chance of retiring versus coming back, and the media look at that and say, oh, he's being crashed. He, he shouldn't make jokes like that. We were defending him, saying he, he does it all the time. This is how he's been since he came in the league. That's just fun-loving personality. Are you surprised he still gets criticized for that at this point in his career? Yeah, that, that's ridiculous. I mean, you got to put yourself in his shoes. He gets asked that question every single day. I mean, he's going to start messing around with people. Because like I said, he hasn't even sat down and, and thought about it either. So, it's um, yeah, that's just ridiculous. That, uh, like those kind of things. But he's just having fun down there and, and enjoying himself. And the media can turn any story however they want and, and go from there. What do you think he likes better when his days are done, wrestling or acting? Had to pick. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't answer those questions for him. And if I do, I'll be all over the news. <laughs> for the last week, one of the biggest stories around football off the field has been the ballad of Jamal Adams. At the Pro Bowl, before the skills competition, he took a running start and tackled Pat Patriot, the mascot of New England. No big deal, right? But there's been all this outcry over whether he significantly hurt Pat Patriot, whether Pat Patriot had to go to the hospital, whether he committed some type of ugly sin against a mascot, which is also utterly ridiculous, of course. But such is life in 2019 covering sports. 
The young Jet star joined Boomer and Geo on WFAN in New York, and we had to put to rest this storyline. What happened between Jamal and Pat Patriot? And Jamal gave us a little insight that we didn't know about. So you jack up this mascot. It's everywhere <laughs> on social media. He's in the hospital. He's not in the hospital. He's got broken ribs. He yeah, doesn't have broken I, ribs. I mean, can you just put this thing to rest now? Everything was okay. The guy's fine. Before I talk about that, man, again, I'm here with Pepsi, sure. and I'm here with my guy, Snackbot. Snackbot? Snackbot. Let me tell you, fellas. Let me yeah. tell you. It is coming out soon, and it is a walking vending machine. A walking vending machine? A walking vending machine. <laughs> you can bring – listen, you can tell it to go get – Drinks for you, yeah. snacks, and it will bring it right to you all by remote control. You can't beat that, man. Wow. At a party, it will it'll, it'll use the restroom if it has to. Go get toilet <laughs> that, paper if it has to. Is that yes, that, that's that snack bot? Yeah, wow, yeah, there, look at that. He's wow. over, he's over there just chilling right now, man. <laughs> I see that. I have a snack right. bot. His name's Al Dukes. <laughs> right hey, that's not too bad. That's not too bad right But, there. no, man, the, you know, the mascot thing, man, obviously, you know, um, the Patriots fans are not happy with me. Well, who um, cares, right? Yeah. In a way, yeah. Who cares? Alabama <laughs> fans, Alabama, yeah. Alabama fans didn't like it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, um, you know, it was all it was all funny games, man. You know, at the end of the day, um, <laughs> he's, he's fine, right? He's, I mean, the guy's fine. It, after that, they didn't catch it on video. Like as soon as I went over here, he started chasing me and he tackled me. Right. Um, but they didn't really catch it on video until somebody tweeted it out. But man, it was all for the fans. It was all for the kids. You tired um, of defending yourself? Because I feel like you got to defend yourself every whether you like the tweet about someone <laughs> saying you're going to play yeah. for the Cowboys. This yeah. whole thing. You said after the Browns game that you weren't prepared for Baker Mayfield or right. something like that, and then they said, "Oh, he's killing the coach." Yeah. You're always defending yourself. Are you tired of this? It's okay, man. It comes with it. All right. It comes with it. <laughs> Good know, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, trade my job for the world and. Um, again, I'm very fortunate. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, going out there to the Pro Bowl was a, was a hell of an experience and a hell of a week. And it was all for the kids, man. All I wanted to do was inspire the kids, put a smile on their faces, and, you know, make the fans happy. Did you actually tackle anybody in the uh, Pro Bowl other than the uh, mascot or no? Uh, what were you guys doing? Yeah. Oh, there you go. You made a tackle. You, got yeah. the, you actually got the defense. I'm not going to lie to you, man. At the beginning of the game was very um, – Frustrating. It was. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I don't like I don't like the tempo. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, don't, I, I can't stand the tempo. Right. Right. Um, because at the end of the day, man, this is a this is a opportunity of a lifetime to go on and go to go to a stage to play with the best of the best and see who's really the best. And I, to me, I think everybody needs to go full speed. Now, I, I don't know how we're gonna you know try to get that to happen because yeah. certain guys you know they don't want to go out they want to go out there and don't want to get hurt. But the speed has to pick up, man. Right. I totally agree. Oh, look at this. Pat Patriot got up and went out and tackled Jamal Adams. He couldn't have been gone to the hospital. You see this? We all knew it. Overreaction by the Patriot fan. Overreaction by those people in New England. Patriot, Pat, the mascot got up after the body blow and chased down Jamal Adams to playfully tackle him. After that, they didn't catch it on video. Like, as soon as I went over here, he started chasing me, and he tackled me. Right. Um, but they didn't really catch it on video until somebody tweeted it out. Doesn't sound like a guy that had a concussion or had to go to the hospital. Very interesting information there. Also, as Jamal points out, the Pro Bowl stinks. Nobody wants to tackle. He wants to tackle. He's right. They're wrong. The Pro Bowl is a disaster. All eyes are on Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and that side of the football when it comes to this matchup on Sunday. But how about the other quarterback? Jared Goff 
the former number one pick of the NFL draft. And going into this game, this can define an entire career. You don't know how many chances you get, but if Jared Goff wins a Super Bowl in just his third season, he's automatically elevated to that upper echelon in the league. Jeff Garcia, former NFL quarterback and four-time Pro Bowler, joined John and Hugh on 92-9 the game in Atlanta. Just how much pressure is on young Goff? This stage, Jeff, for for uh, Jared Goff, I mean, two years ago, there were a lot of us wondering if Jared Goff would ever turn into anything. Now he's made it suddenly in two years to the Super Bowl. How does it affect a quarterback? You know, he can say all he wants about, oh, I've been to big games or, you know, this is not anything that I – but, I mean, i got to believe because for Brady it's just like it's a Sunday. For for him, for, for Jared Goff, what is this stage like? Well, I mean, there's going to be a lot of nerves that take place entering into this game. There's a lot of excitement. How do you control the emotions that you take into this game? But, uh, you know, these guys will be well-prepared. Sean McVay as a head coach, as the offensive coordinator basically of the Rams, is going to prepare these guys like no other. He's going to have them aware of what they're going to face. He's going to put Jared in positions or in situations that are going to be um, positive for him uh, come game time. I think obviously the first pass, the first hit, you want to get those out of the way because that's when you kind of wake up and liven up to the actual game time situation. It shakes the nerves out of you, so to speak. But uh, I think he'll be fine. This kid is uh, developed. He's grown up fast in this league. And uh, he's shown a presence about him that's uh, mature and uh, knows how to handle situations like this. You know, I want to ask you a question. Uh, Matt Ryan this year, he got banged around a lot. And the offensive line was an issue for, for the Atlanta Falcons. This is the question I want to ask. How tough is it for a quarterback to sit back there in the pocket and try to throw the ball when you know for a fact that your offensive line is having trouble blocking certain guys, but you know as your, your job is to throw the ball down the field? What is that feeling like knowing that you're going to probably get hit every time you drop back to throw well, the ball? Well, obviously that's not a good feeling. <laughs> you don't want to have that lack of security in your offensive line or that lack of trust, right? But, uh, you know, the game of – playing the quarterback is all about timing it's all about reading recognition and delivery and uh for jared goff or much like what tom brady does he doesn't hold on to the ball long it's tough to get to tom brady now you look at what the rams present from an interior rush aaron donald what he can do up front sue next to him can those guys push the pocket back in brady's lap that's going to be a key on sunday brady doesn't worry about the outside rush it's the rush in his lap in his face that can create problems or potentially cause problems for him can aaron donald be that guy this sunday that can present those sort of problems and make him feel uncomfortable but from the standpoint of just being comfortable in the pocket understanding timing and delivery and the fact that you have to read recognize defensive movement and understand where your one two three in progression are from a quarterback standpoint you never want to be caught holding on to the football. You hope that that O-line could at least give you that two and a half to three seconds to deliver the ball. Underrated storyline this week, that Goff's not getting a ton of attention, that it's all on Brady, the legacy, the Belichick, Gronk's retirement, the Patriots dynasty, Sean McVay, but not a lot on Jared Goff, which is the perfect place for him to slide under the radar. He's cool, he's calm, he's collected, he's young, but it never feels like the moment is too big for Goff 
Let's see how he performs and handles it coming up on Sunday. And finally, since it's Super Bowl week, football is getting all of the attention, obviously. But we also have the Anthony Davis news, so the NBA is front and center as well. And then there's baseball. And the only storyline this week in baseball is when is Bryce Harper and Manny Machado going to sign? What is taking so long? And what does this mean for the league? Jimmy Rollins, one of the great Phillies players ever, joined WIP in Philadelphia. And answer the question, is baseball in trouble? Jay, I want to get your thoughts on just baseball, the state of baseball, right? And and whether or not you, you like where it's at, where it's headed, there is a sense out there that the game isn't as exciting to the youth as it used to be, and it's one of a, mm-hmm. the dying sports. I'm just wondering, as a former great player in this game, how do you feel about where it's at right now and, and where you think it will be 10 years from now? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot different. I mean, I, I think I came in in 2000, which was it, it was starting to go from the old school. When I say old school, I mean like the, the era of the, the, the 80s and 90s. So this hardcore, you know, putting greenies in every coffee mug around there to the <laughs> steroid era, <laughs> um, you know, to – um, to, to the kind of new age in baseball, and obviously designer drugs. Um, so I was through all that tr- transitional stuff, and baseball is exciting. You still played baseball. It wasn't about this new launch angle and all these shifts. It was more in, in, in a purest stance, but you still have to find ways to win games. Managers had to manage. Managers were allowed to manage. They, they, it wasn't lineups coming down from the upper, from the upper management telling you who to play today. Um, today's game, I think, and, and everybody knows that, mm-hmm. that the manager generally today has become a guy that the upper, the upper uh, management can't control. They almost, have, they almost get to tell him what to do and either kind of bench their will or, you know, they'll find somebody that will. Uh, I don't know where the game is going, honestly. I, I think it's in another transitional period. The game is always going to change. I mean, every sport goes through its changes. And, you know, finding, you know, the new stars of, of this new style of baseball, uh, those are the guys that will have to make it exciting. Um, obviously, the contracts, the way, the way they've been going, there's a lot of money out there. Um, so you don't, you're not staying with the guy from basically his inception to the end of his career. Um, so I'm not sure. I, I, do I like the way it's going? Uh, not really. I don't know you know, how things can be changed. Uh, Those are things that they figure out in the uh, bargaining agreements uh, to try to benefit the players, you know, as much as they can for us. And obviously the owners want to do their part. But um, I would love to see definitely some of the shifts, you know, out of the game because that brings some excitement back in the game. Just by letting baseball be baseball and, you know, not all these timers and, you know, extra scientific type of feel to it. You know, just the feel of the sport and the rhythm of the sport. Kind of a damning quote from J-Roll. Quote, I don't know where the game is going. Not a lot of people do. And that's kind of a scary proposition considering how much attention the NFL gets, how much attention the NBA gets, and how baseball is searching for that cultural relevance. The question is, how is that going to come? Obviously, there's plenty of money involved. And yes, there's plenty of good attendance figures if you want to use that in MLB circles. But the question is, kids these days, they're paying attention to the Super Bowl. They're paying attention to the Anthony Davises and LeBron Jameses, the Kevin Durant's and Steph Curry's of the world. Are they paying attention 
to baseball in the same way. And if the two biggest stars this offseason can't find jobs, they're still hunting for decent bids in their mind, decent offers, and we're heading into February, what does that mean for Major League Baseball, their business, their product, and where we're about to go in the next collective bargaining agreement? That's the best of your sports talk for Wednesday, January the 30th. Super Bowl week rolls along. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.